I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I read the second half of chapter eight of my book, How to Plant and Grow a Church. The chapter subject is how to stay fired up as a church builder. I'll be sharing what I've learned to keep your fire burning at all times and all places, specifically how to use personal campaigns to get fired up, how to create church campaigns to develop momentum, the importance of staying connected, going to conferences and meetings, hosting guest speakers, and the importance of getting discipled. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I hope you had a fantastic Independence Day weekend if you live in the United States. Pam and I just got back from a vacation in the middle of June. We went to Portugal. I don't know if we have any listeners in Portugal, but does anyone know if we have a church in Portugal? Email me at Rob at robskinner.com if you know of any disciples in that great country. I mean, we had such a good time ago. Man, this is an amazing, amazing place. I'm in the middle of a 30-day spiritual campaign, and my goal is to learn the secret of happiness. I'm going to talk about more about that in an upcoming episode. The CLIMB conference is coming up November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. Have you and your friends registered yet? I really, really want you to be there. It's going to be an amazing time. We're going to have amazing speakers, Sean Wooten, Kevin Miller, Dave Bliley, and so many other great speakers who are going to inspire you about how to grow your ministry, how to help you to grow spiritually. You're going to get encouraged by being around other fired up, faithful, and idealistic followers of Jesus. The people who come to this conference have a burning passion to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I was talking to a person from Africa, Africa who's planning on coming, he told me they they planted like seven churches recently. It's like, you know, just unheard of amazing things that are going on. So it's going to be a great time. We have well over 100 people signed up, which is nearly as much as we had for our first conference back in 2019. And it's really cool that so many people are coming from different countries, which is just awesome. So we're expecting over 400 people there. Please be praying that it's just a, an awesome turnout and a life-changing time for everyone who comes to the conference. So to register, just go to robskinner.com and look for the CLIMB conference tab there. It's easy to register. The prices go up at the end of August, so please register now. As I mentioned before, I'm looking for a leadership couple to plant the Sabarita and Green Valley Church in September of 2023. That's in southeastern Arizona. If you're a married couple with kids, or if you're an empty nester couple, this would be an ideal mission planting for you. Sawarita is designed for family ministry and living. I mean, it's just amazing. Great schools, great housing, relatively, really, relatively inexpensive housing is what I'd say. Green Valley is one of the best places to live and retire in the world. I mean, it's green for a reason. I mean, it actually is green. You think Arizona, it's not green. It's very green. It's very beautiful. 
So if you're interested in leading or going or know of someone who is, please email me at rob at robskinner.com. If you'd like to support the planting with a tax-deductible gift, just click the link in the bottom of the show notes. My goal is to raise $100,000 or more by the end of the summer, and I really appreciate the listeners. We've already raised over $30,000 so far from listeners and from, and from friends and people who've given to this awesome mission planting. All proceeds from this podcast are directed to my next mission target. Speaking of ministry searches, I was talking to J.J. Griffin. He's up in the Northeast, I think in New Hampshire, and he is looking for a campus intern. J.J. has a really interesting story. He went to the high school that was featured in the movie and TV series Friday Night Lights. In fact, he told me that he had a brief cameo appearance in a weight room scene in the movie. I think his dad was a strength coach at Permian High School. And his wife, Trinity, was an Olympic-level wrestler. I mean, she's just really, really super strong. They're a great couple. So if you're um, looking to, to do campus ministry, you know, get a hold of JJ. I'll put his contact information in the show notes. Campaigns. No leader or church continues to grow at a steady rate. We go through cycles of breakthrough and, and repentance, rapid growth, plateaued growth, and then decline. 30 or 90-day campaigns have helped to inject energy, focus, and enthusiasm into the church and me. When you notice that you or the church you're in are lackluster in passion or effectiveness, it's time for a campaign to kickstart progress. Let's talk first about personal campaigns. One of the great attractions of planting a church and doing ministry is the control it gives us over our time and life. We like the idea of not having a quote-unquote boss other than Jesus and doing things our way. Unfortunately, if we aren't careful, our sinful nature will cause us to use our freedom to live a lazy, unproductive lifestyle. That's the power of having a personal campaign. It calls us back to productive living. If you want to grow your church, and I don't think you'd be listening to this podcast if you weren't, you must hold yourself accountable. You must force yourself to do what you don't like doing and be resolute. Let me define resolute from the dictionary. It says, marked by firm determination, bold, steady. That's from Merriam-Webster. What are some synonyms for resolute? Bent on or bent upon, bound, decisive, do or die, firm, hell-bent, intent, out, purposeful, determined, resolved, set, single-minded. What are some of the opposite or antonyms for that? Faltering, hesitant, indecisive, irresolute, undetermined, unresolved, vacillating, wavering, and finally, weak need. (laughs) This definition is a perfect description of the man or woman that we all want to imitate. Consider the following account of Jesus' resolution to go to the cross. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. This quality of being resolute and hell-bent on our goal is what we need and what a good campaign can restore us to. As James Allen said, the man who does not shrink from self-crucifixion can never fail to accomplish the object upon which his heart is set. 
I found that having a personal campaign and tracking my progress helps me concentrate on areas easily forgotten, overlooked, or neglected. Planting a church demands a laser focus on things like sharing goals, study goals, follow-up goals, scheduled evangelism, scheduled exercise, scheduled prayer and reading. Set some goals in these areas that will help you achieve your broader goals. Your example in a smaller church setting creates the model and mold that others will imitate and follow. I'd recommend monitoring your progress daily in an accountability log. You can change the log to suit the areas or weak points that you'd like to emphasize. When you have your quiet time in the morning, think back on the previous day and record record how did you do in the following areas, like invitations to church, Bible studies, guests at church, weight, purity, alcohol use, could be anything. At one point in the growth of the Tucson church, I looked around the fellowship and thought, man, we don't have anyone studying the Bible. There's nothing going on. I decided at that point to go on a Bible study campaign. I decided I'd get get into 90 Bible studies in 90 days. Since I didn't have anyone who was studying the Bible, I scanned the fellowship and spotted an older man who'd been coming to church for months and yet had been resistant to Bible study when others had asked him in the past. I walked up to him and blurted out, Mr. Flores, would you like to get baptized? Surprisingly, he said, yes, I would. I asked well, when would you like to get baptized? He said, well, Christmas. Now, it was already a week into December, and so I said, well, Mr. Flores, that would probably mean that we would need to meet nearly every day for the next two weeks to prepare you for that decision. Would that be okay with you? He shrugged and said, that's fine. I'm retired. As long as I don't have to drive at night, I can meet every day. Now, keep in mind, he this was all translated because he's a Spanish speaker and doesn't speak English very well. So that's exactly what we did. We started studying the Bible nearly every day for the next week and a half from 3 o'clock to 5 p.m., and he got baptized at our Christmas service. I couldn't see the impact at the time, but he's the patriarch of a large family and has six adult daughters with families of their own. Over the next six months, his decision had a ripple effect as his daughters and other relatives either got baptized or were restored to their relationship with Christ. A simple act of repentance and focus on preaching the gospel led us into one of the most productive times in the history of our church up until that time. Along with that, I would recommend finding an accountability partner to help you to stick to your decisions. I've made many decisions to lose weight or exercise more. But if it was a private decision, I could always rationalize why I wasn't sticking to the decision. There's always an exception, a potluck, a birthday dinner, special event, etc., etc. I learned to put myself on the hook by asking a brother to call me and ask me how things are going. I'll also take a picture of my accountability sheet and text him the photo every day. You can find examples of different personal campaign logs that I have in Appendix B of the book. Now let's talk a little bit about church campaigns, not personal campaigns. I'm going to go ahead and read through an example of a three-month campaign that can help you get your church moving again. And you can use this as a lead-up to a big service like Easter or back to school in September. So, for example, month number one, first thing, make a list of the top five most open people coming to your church, whether men or women. Call them up, set, set up an appointment, Ask them to study consistently and frequently until they get baptized. Well, that's pretty clear. 
Secondly, start an accountability log to monitor your progress for 90 days. Three, share your faith with 100 people this month. Four, start using follow-up cards to pray over and call 15 minutes per day. So I like to use 3 by 5 cards when I meet people to write their name down and what I know about them and keep track of am I calling them or am I forgetting them and where we're, where we're at in the Bible studies. Number five, lead 20 Bible studies this month. Number six, start praying with your wife three times per week. Number seven, immediately cut out at least one unproductive meeting or activity. Number eight, order 5,000 general 3 by 5 invitation cards from Steve Monroe at bcdcards.com. And so what I like to do is have invitation cards for everybody because it makes it easier for Christians to share if they've got a card handy. A lot of times it's pretty tough just to go up to somebody without a card and just say, hey, you want? are you interested in studying the Bible? You certainly can do it, and a lot of people like to do it that way. I know Kyle Plum likes to do it that way, but I like to have a card. I, like to ha- I need a little prop there. It helps me just, hey, would you like to come to my church? And while you're at it, order a thousand invitations for your next special service, whether it's Easter, back to school, Christmas, or Valentine's service. Next, schedule one two-hour Saturday servant evangelism this month. Number 10, do a lesson outlining your vision for the church and how you plan on taking it there. So what that does in the first month, it gets you off the ground. You go, okay, I got a plan. I'm going to follow it. And I'll tell you, if you do that, if you actually put it into practice, things are going to start happening. I guarantee if you have 20 Bible studies and you share with 100 people, you're going to start seeing things happen in your church and in your life. Month number two, share your faith with 150 people. Number two, lead 25 Bible studies. Number three, start using communication cards and mail out thank you letters and emails. I like to use communication cards at church on Sunday having people respond to the lesson, and that way when they come and visit, and I haven't invited them, I can write them a thank you card for visiting our church. Number four, take your wife out on three dates and keep praying together. So you don't want to forget the, the home life. you got to keep that going. And love your wife, love your kids. Number five, schedule two Saturday servant evangelism events this month. Number six, order and begin a midweek series, like Managing Our Money God's Way. That's a great series. Number seven, repeat your vision and mission for the church for five minutes on the first midweek of the month. You got to talk about where are you taking the church? You got to express it. You got to preach it. People need to know where are we going with this thing? Number eight, make the next big service your biggest attendance ever. So how do you do that? Pass out invitation cards that you ordered last month. Keep track of the commitments and talk about it every single church service. Hey, we got the back to school service coming up. Man, please invite your friends. It's going to be an amazing time. We want to have a great, great service. We're going to have food. Just talk about it. Number nine, start reading 20 minutes a day from a good book. you got to get inspired. Read something good. Number 10, start writing your goals down every single day. I love to do that. I, I mean, I, I do that for pleasure. I just love to write down my goals, just fantasizing about seeing my goals happen. I go, it inspires me. It's part, it just puts me down the road to seeing amazing miracles happen. Okay, let's go on to Miracle Month number three. Number one, preach your vision the first midweek of the month. Number two, share your faith with 200 people this month. So you started at 100, second month 150. This month you're going to do 200 people this month. Number three, lead 30 Bible studies. Number four, schedule and hold two Servant Evangelism Saturdays. So sometimes you can freak out and say, how can I share with 200 people? I can tell you very clearly, you can easily share with 100 people in less than an hour. By just having an servant evangelism Saturday, and we're going to talk more about that in a later episode. 
but really, it really is not that scary. You can do it. Number five, take your wife away for a night. Get away. Have fun. Enjoy your, enjoy your marriage. Enjoy life with your wife. Number six, start exercising three times a week. Number seven, try to get up at the same time six days in a row. Okay, really work on your personal discipline. Number eight, focus on having a clear conscience for one month straight. Okay, there's a challenge for you. Number nine, schedule a thank you dinner for the top 20% tithers in your church. Number 10, hold your quote-unquote big service and make it the best you've ever organized. Number 11, plan a celebration party or activity to celebrate what God has done in your church over the past three months. Now, you might be listening and go, I can't do all that. You know, do I have to do every single one? No, those are just ideas that came to my mind when I was putting together a particular campaign that I thought, I need to get my church moving. You can add, you can delete, you can you can rearrange, you can reduce the number of things. The point is this. You have to have some type of a plan. Many of us, we're leading churches, and there is no plan with our church. There's no movement forward. It's just the same old thing, and people get bored. You're bored, and your people are bored. So it's important. Do something that really shakes things up and gets people to be their best for Christ. So let's keep talking about how to stay fired up. Perseverance and patience. Ben Franklin said, Genius is nothing but a greater aptitude for patience. Now that's a great quote right there. Because there have been many days when I felt like quitting the ministry. I'm just having a little be honest moment here. Many times I've been frustrated by the lack of results and slow growth. You're going to be tested in your character. You will go through your desert wandering periods where you're going to wonder, what in the world is God doing? When we moved to Ashland, Oregon to plant a church there, it shocked people so much that many former acquaintances thought that I had fallen away and left God. Some spoke of me in the past tense. They'd say things like, you know, Rob was such a great guy. I really miss him. I felt like I was in a soundproof room looking through one-way glass, shouting to people, hey, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I still love God. Only as the years passed and the church grew did people realize that I hadn't gotten, gone off the deep end. When you're going through tough times, hang in there and persevere. Don't quit. Next, lighten up and don't take yourself too seriously. Church planters tend to take themselves very seriously. I know I do, and this is a, this is a weakness for sure. They are literally men on a mission, and it's essential for your emotional health to step back and lighten up a little from time to time. I remember when we moved from Idaho to Oregon to our new mission field in Ashland. The truck we ran, it was so old. On some of the hills that we climbed, it slowed down to like 18 miles an hour. Now, kilometers per hour, I'm going to say that's about 30 kilometers an hour. I mean, it was just like, I wondered if we were going to just stop. I mean, it was so slow. Then the oil light went on. Aside from the speedometer, the oil light was the only functioning gauge on this 50 eras truck. I mean, it was like this truck had to have been at least 50 or 60 years old. I mean, it's just the oldest thing in the world. Everything was totally analog, nothing digital at all. And so I had images of our family broken down on the side of the road in the 100 degrees plus eastern Oregon desert. I mean, I was just like, oh, my, what's going to happen? I got these little kids. Thank God we finally rolled into Ashland. And the next morning when I woke up, my neck and back were totally locked up in cramps. Why? Because I had subconsciously been pushing that truck steering wheel the whole way, trying to help it to get to our destination. 
That same type of cramping happens on an emotional level when we try to quote-unquote help God by constantly worrying about our church. Even Paul felt daily pressure for all the churches. Knowing that, take time off to relax and shake off the stress and have fun. Your wife and kids will appreciate it, and the people around you will certainly appreciate it. What else? Stay connected to outside churches. One of the most important ways to keep the fire burning as a church planter is to build and foster relationships outside of your church and area. Use the phone to call people. It is so tempting to let Satan control your thoughts and think, well, I don't have anything encouraging or inspiring to talk about, so I'm not going to call anybody. Satan wants to distance you from encouraging friends and mentors. Resist those negative thoughts and call anyway. Call regularly. You need encouragement and connection. Bill Walsh, former coach for the San Francisco 49ers, referred to this tendency as submarining. Just as a submarine captain cuts off all communication during his missions, Bill would cut himself off from his family, friends, and other relationships to focus exclusively on his team. The same temptation is there for the hyper-focused church builder. You've got to resist that temptation and stay connected during your mission. Conferences and Meetings I remember going to my first regional church leadership conference after having our quote-unquote first service of our planting in Ashland, Oregon. I drove the 13-hour drive with my two boys and was so happy to share the amazing news. Hey guys, we had three people at our first service. It was Pam, my wife, then the lawyer who helped us incorporate, and me. Now, in the 90s, attendance was rated good, great, or awesome. I knew one visitor for every two Christians was awesome. So to me, that was God putting a stamp of approval on our work. Now, I got a lot of raised eyebrows from the other church leaders at that meeting. I'm, not sh- I'm sure they were thinking Skinner's totally gone off the deep end. But I was genuinely happy, hopeful, and excited to be around other brothers. Spend the time and money it takes to go to as many conferences, meetings, and seminars as you can afford. You'll benefit in ways you can't anticipate. Fellowship, ministry ideas, finding financial or manpower support for your church, breaking down barriers of misunderstanding or mistrust. Now, I'm just going to insert a little, little boost here for the CLIMB conference coming up here in December of 2023. You need to come to this. And if you're thinking, I don't have the money, find the money, borrow the money. Beg for the money. You need to go. It costs, but it pays. You need the fellowship. You need the encouragement. And you're going to thank God that you went to this conference when you come back and go, man, I'm so glad I went. I made friends. I got encouraged. I realized I'm not the only one struggling with these issues. I got inspired by the speakers. On so many levels, you'll be glad you did. So please, if you want to stay fired up, go to conferences. Pay the money invest in yourself. Guest speakers. Your church members will thank you if you can get guest speakers to visit. After they've heard your stories a million times, they will appreciate a fresh voice. When we were leading the church in Ashland, Oregon, I wanted to have Sam Lang, a respected church leader and family man, come out and do a marriage and parenting seminar for us. I'd always respected him from afar and loved his book, Raising Awesome Kids in Troubled Times. Aside from the fantastic job I knew he would do speaking, I wanted him to look my family over and give me some feedback on how I could do better as a father and husband. The only problem was 
that Sam didn't know who I was. <laughs> so I started a drip campaign, emailing him, about, emailing him about every two weeks. I explained who I was, where I'd been, and what I was doing planting a church. Like the persistent widow, I would not stop until I persuaded him to come out. I knew I'd heard he'd like motorcycles, and I told him I would arrange a motorcycle ride if he were to come. Finally, he said yes and flew out. It was an awesome weekend. We had a blow away of attendance of about 20 people at the seminar. We had a, a membership in our church of about eight people at the time. And we rented dirt bikes and hit the fire roads and trails overlooking the beautiful Rogue Valley in southern Oregon. He gave us fantastic discipling on how to help our kids. And we were able to get to know one another. Now, I don't know if Sam still remembers the trip, but it's one my family and I will never forget. Do your best to get good speakers to speak to your church. As one leader used to tell me, it costs, but it pays. I think that was Ed Townsend. It's more than worth the money you put into it. Find out which leaders have relatives in your area and arrange for them to preach when they visit for the holidays. Don't forget to give them a generous honorarium. You want them to come back and support the work through prayer and positive word of mouth. Mike Tolliver, leader of, a church, of the church in San Antonio, was traveling through on vacation with his son Joshua. And I asked him to speak to our small church and he who turned his visit into a video episode on hotnews.com. So that was really a little bit of serendipity, God's power, and it was great. It really encouraged our church and it encouraged me. Keep getting discipled. You're going to need discipling, mentoring, direction, and help. Choose at least one person outside your church to get advice and guidance from. After Sam Lang returned home and I called him to thank him for his visit, I also asked him if he would please disciple me. I told him I knew he was already saddled with discipling partners in his larger church, and I asked him if we could talk just once a month for an hour, and I would pay him $100 per month. I valued his wisdom and expertise and gladly paid him out of my own personal pocket. Get discipling even if you have to pay for it. Think about the people you respect and talk to them directly. So it doesn't even have to be people in your region. You can call someone from another state or another family, you know, like call someone that three states over, pay them if you have to. Just think about who do I would, who would I really like to learn from? And just say, hey, can I give you a little bit of money? If you can just give me 15 minutes a week or every, every month or something like that. Often people are more than willing to give you a little time. A short call to the right person can make a huge difference. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about the program. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. And you can find both of them on Amazon.com. Thirdly, support the program financially by clicking the link in the show notes. Your tax-deductible gift will help me to get my next mission team off the ground. Because my goal is to inspire you. To make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count. <laughs>